Hello and welcome back to another episode of Mac and D. We took a couple week hiatus. Jimmy D and I actually saw each other in person, which was a lot of fun. We went to a wedding for our buddy Eddie, who's been on the pod multiple times. Congratulations to Eddie and Hannah. Did they go on a honeymoon? I don't even know. Did, was that I, like post- dude, I don't know. I was going to like text him, but then I'm like, but if he's on the honeymoon, like why the hell did he want to read a text from me right now? So like I just kind of let, you know, let lying dogs or whatever, let dogs lie or however the heck you say it. But yeah. yeah, Boston was a ton of fun. You know, you got your picture with Bill Russell's statue. Um, you, you know, we got to see a lot of, a lot of sports, uh, just everything. Uh, Boston is a sports town for sure. And it's so packed. You can see everything sports related pretty quickly. Yeah, I don't know, James. If I saw a text from you on my honeymoon, that'd get me in the mood personally. So that's the way I see it. Uh, yeah, Boston was a lot of fun. Uh, wish we were able to actually do some sports stuff. Of course, the Red Sox were out of town. The Celtics obviously not playing right now. And we're kind of in the dog days of summer for every other sport. Patriots haven't started back up. But the wedding was right next to Gillette. Like, that was pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. Like, I know, like, Foxborough is not exactly, like, the mecca of the United States. But, like, just being right there. You kind of felt like you were next to heaven, right? Yeah, well, I asked Eddie before. I said, hey, I can wear a Tom Brady jersey to the wedding, right? And he said that's completely accepted and, like, encouraged. And I ended up wearing a suit no tie and felt like the most underdressed human being at the entire, like, within a 10-mile radius. Like, I did not realize it was black tie formal. I-, I-, I thank God every day that there was at least, like, two other people that didn't wear a tie because I was just like, did I ruin this guy's wedding by just being, like, slightly casual? Again, not... Not anything crazy. Like this was not an experimental outfit. It was just a suit without without the tie. Yeah, yeah. No hate towards Eddie whatsoever. But like, I was wearing a gray suit and a black tie, and I felt underdressed. Like that was how nice this wedding was. Like, cannot express how great it was with like all the food, the sushi, and everything. Like, like we had a good time. That was probably the best wedding that I've ever been to. No offense to any other person that I've been to a wedding to. That was just. It is insane, over-the-top, crazy wedding. So shout-out, Eddie, for really making it worth our while to go all the way to Boston. So, um, Which is good, because there's nothing going on in the sports world, which we're going to go into with our recent news. I We, we were kind of looking at each other like, what's been going on lately? Like, the home run derby? That was a flop. The NBA is kind of done right now. We had our whole free agency session, and not a whole lot happened. So we're, we're kind of, like, stuck talking about Northwestern hazing, I guess, is the big story right now. Do, do you have any strong opinions on the Wildcats? I, I don't. I want all of the details to come out because it's easy to knee-jerk one way or the other. But what has come out so far looks pretty abhorrent. And it's just, like, head-scratching that this was going on at Northwestern because this isn't a sports school. Like, this is known as kind of the preeminent educational institution of Illinois. Uh, I'm sure that could piss off a lot of people that are either U of I stands or University of Chicago stands, but uh, Northwestern, especially at the undergraduate ranks, is pretty elite uh, in just about every metric. So, like the people you're bringing on, like I mean, that's their whole thing, right? They can't even get in the best athletes of the world because they have to have like a 30 ACT to even be like considered for this football team. So it's like there's things happening where you're really just not sure how uh, that that was able to fly with, you know, such a prestigious school. Uh, so it's very, very head-scratching, to say the least. This feels like uh, Clayton Thorson erasure and Trevor Simeon erasure. What do you mean, no elite athletes? Uh, no, you're right. Yeah, it's so weird with this whole Northwestern situation because, like, they're all so high and mighty. Like, oh, we have all the smart kids. Oh, we don't have the scandals. We don't get in trouble like these big money schools like Ohio State and Michigan. It's like... Oh, well, actually, what you were doing this entire time was 
arguably worse than anything that all these other schools were doing. And you lied about it this entire time, too. So it's like it, it just is a really tough look. It's a really bad look for the Big Ten. And if you're a Northwestern fan, like you got to feel shitty. Like you were doing all this really crappy hazing stuff that in theory is supposed to make your team better and more tight knit and all that crazy stuff. You did all that shit and you still went one at 11 last year. So it's like, where do you even go from here? And Pat Fitzgerald was pretty much the only person who was able to ever win at Northwestern. So you're just kind of fucked. Like if any, if any sports fans ever had like a free pass to go to another team, I feel like it's a Northwestern fan right now. Right. Absolutely. And also you have to consider like, I mean, and this is truly like Penn state level, uh, you know, like earth shattering type maneuvers. Like Joe Pa could have done basically anything he wanted and, and nothing about it happened except what did happen. And, and even then, like there's, I think there's some reasons to state that Joe Pa still kind of got the shaft on that one. Cause he, he did take everything to his superiors. Like this one was, you know, Pat Fitzgerald, he, like you said, he's like the only person who ever went at Northwestern. He had three losing seasons and wasn't in the hot seat, which is unheard of in today's college football landscape. Like they really were all about the fact that, Hey, he runs a tight ship. You know, this is a prestigious institution. We love the way Pat runs this program. He turns boys into men, and that's what we do here. And, like, this just came out of left field. Everyone's like, oh, uh, I guess we kind of have to eat some crow here. Yeah, and there were some inklings, right? Like, Pat Fitzgerald's always been such a boomer. Like, the kids these days, there's problems with them. But, like, at the same time, he seemed like a pretty likable, affable guy. And then all of a sudden, you just have a complete failure of leadership that gets shown and it's been a pattern it's not just been oh this has been happening for the last year we need to like get the players out of the situation it's been a whole culture which he's kind of just allowed to happen which is insane uh did you see what happened with their baseball coach though that's also been come uncovered see that no there's a big old story from the exact same people, the exact same student journalists that are basically alleging that the baseball coach was also creating an incredibly toxic environment. And one of the big allegations against him is that he just like was never fucking there. Like this one player was quoted saying, yeah, we had like 18 practices. He only showed up to four. And like, there was a good, like two or three months where like, we didn't see him. We just thought he was gone. And it's like your one job as a coach is like be present. And he wasn't even on campus, seemingly. It's crazy. Northwestern, man. Who would have thought? Like you said, it's a good. If you want to hop ship, even if they're your alma mater and you want to cheer for someone else, you get a free pass for the next, you know, three or four months. So, text from my dad. Text from Bernie Mac here. I want to read it on air real quick. So he texted me yesterday at 10 p.m. at such a late time, and he said Northwestern fired their coach. We're, we're big Nebraska fans, as has been noted. I said his last win was against Nebraska because Northwestern went 1-11 last year. Their only win was against Nebraska in Ireland in week one. And he left me on red. <laughs> Managed to piss him off that much that he just never responded. So uh, Northwestern in shambles. Nebraska arguably worse. So uh, besides Northwestern, any anything big on the mind sports-wise? Like no free agency signings in the NFL. No, Seems like Dalvin Cook can't make a deal. Well, it's, it's definitely the D-Hop, Dalvin Cook watch right now, right? I, I think everyone's kind of giving D-Hop the pass. He just doesn't want to deal with the offseason stuff, which kind of is unfortunate a little bit because you do want to build a rapport with your new quarterback. But I think everyone's like, look, he can ball. It'll be fine. For Dalvin, I think it's a bit of the same. I think both these guys are in that situation where they're pretty much a known product. Uh, so they're probably waiting for a team that's heavily reliant on 
a wide receiver one or a you know a running back one to like all of a sudden be in the market because i mean mm-hmm. we see that every year uh someone goes down in training camp someone goes down first or second week of preseason and you gotta you know figure out or kind of try to mend your roster like say if stefan diggs went down like what would the bills they'd throw the bag at d hop to to try to keep together a, what they believe is a super bowl roster uh, you'd have to think it's the same for a few other teams so i, I think they're all kind of you know the two of them are sitting there kind of waiting and then if nothing happens probably sign up you know a, a good not great deal somewhere that they just want to be that's a great point because like we always have that sam bradford kind of trade right where like a team is desperate and they trade like a first round pick for a known commodity just to have someone that's like actually competent at the position and they think of like when jordy nelson went down in preseason and like the packers were lucky enough to actually have some depth to replace him but not every team can say that um what like as of this moment like what's your favorite dalvin cook situation Dalvin's harder than D Hop, right? Because there's not a ton of running back needy teams. Uh, I've heard the Jets, and I guess that makes sense. But I actually kind of like the Jets, you know, running back room between Michael Carter and um, and Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the Dolphins might make sense. They're they're kind of a, a mismatch of of who's who uh, there. So like it it could make sense for him to go to the Dolphins. Um, I've heard the Patriots get tossed around. Not that I'm trying to list every single AFC East team, but that one makes less sense to me because it's just not a, a very Patriots uh, type signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, I guess maybe Rams, but like the Rams aren't trying to win, so I'm not really sure why they'd be throwing money at Dalvin unless they're you know just wanting to get like a wild card spot and think they have enough talent left to do that. Um, I'm not sure. D Hop, I, I think any team could use him. We've already highlighted, I think maybe last time we recorded different teams that make a ton of sense. Obviously, Patriots being number one on that list, but. Uh, Dalvin's market's a little bit tighter, I'd say. And it's hard because, like, the rumor is that Dalvin Cook wants a big ass deal, and it's like, dude, look in the mirror. You're Read the 31. room. Read like, the room, Dalvin. He, he's what, like, thirty-one or something like that, or and, like he's broken down. He's had a lot of tread on his tire. Like, I, I don't know what he really think is going to happen. And how as old? We, how old do you think Dalvin Cook is? I want to say like thirty-one. Is that too old? Buddy is twenty-seven. God, running backs age just like he twice looks as fast. forty-two, but yeah, he's <laughs> not not in the way he played. Like he played fine last year. Like we can't deny he did he did have an RB ten year even with missing a couple games. Like it's not like he's absolutely just cooked. It's just to your point, he has taken a lot of hits and possibly like you know a top five worst injury, not the absolute worst, but that shoulder stinger injury that he's dealt with his whole career, where it's like you're supposed to be a running back but can't take a hit. That's not a good spot to be. Uh, better obviously than knees or ankle issues, but yeah, D- Dalvin's in a, in a weird spot. There's just a lot of very good young running back talent in the NFL. Yeah. And that's kind of what we were talking about before the off season even started is like, if you're an older running back, you don't have any obvious options. All these NFL teams are going to just look at the draft where it was very talent rich. And wh- why would you pay 5 million for Dalvin cook when you could have a running back in the fifth round, like chase Brown, and, and just have a, a better, brighter future. And he's only making what? Like less than a million. So it, the, the choice is obvious, I felt like. And it's Does he make sense tough. in Dallas? Like maybe as like a Z, like a, just an upgrade, like a pure upgrade over Zeke. Like it's still Tony Pollard's backfield and then it's Tony, Dalvin, and then. Deuce um, Vaughn. Thank you, Deuce Vaughn. I keep, I always mix up Kendra Miller and Deuce Vaughn. And I feel like that's disrespectful <laughs> to both of them because they're very different backs, but they're both on that TCU backfield. So it messes me up. Yeah. And I think honestly, like, 
Minnesota makes a lot of sense for Dalvin Cook because like after Madison, as we talked about, there's no depth behind him, just like there's no depth really behind Pollard. So, yeah, there's some there's some weird situations going on. Would would you rather have Zeke or Dalvin for this upcoming season? I would rather have Dalvin at six times the cost than Zeke. Wow. Okay. Zeke yeah. hater over here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Zeke, I said it last year and we got plenty of hate online of like, oh, he's guaranteed to get that two yards. And I was like, no, he's guaranteed to at most get two yards. Like he's not guaranteed for a full two yards. I was doing so much coping last year with Zeke because two years ago I traded two first round picks in Dynasty for Zeke Elliott. This is when he was like top five players still for fantasy football going into the season and uh, did not pan out. <laughs> yeah, that's tough, pal. Man's not even in the starting lineup anymore. Okay, so for today's pod, we got a couple things cooking. Oh, sorry. We got one thing. One other huge news piece. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Chris Paul, with the least ceremonious reveal of a team ever, had an unironed jersey that he was holding (laughs) up and like what looked like the back of a Denny's. Like, I don't know what the deal was there. I I think I, I saw it was like he was practicing with Steph, like at a summer facility, not like the actual facility. And they're like, they couldn't delay it any longer. Like they wanted to give him like the press moment, but mm-hmm. they didn't have a podium. They didn't have like the Warriors backdrop. His dude was just like, had a poster and like a garbage can in the background with an unironed jersey holding up. It was so bad. I feel like everyone in that trade is just unhappy. Like the the first pictures of Jordan Poole in Washington, <laughs> like they didn't even give him a Photoshop at first. And then when they finally got a picture of him, he just looks sad. Like he lost all his mojo, all his aura. And then Chris Paul, yeah, like you're saying, is like a fucking garbage bin type picture. Right. That they got. I read a thing where it was like, it looks like Jordan Poole got traded to the Night's Wash. Like he looks so depressed. I- it was, it was a very, very productive lunch today where I was just looking at memes of the NBA and I was having a pretty good time. Yeah, he's in the North. He's in the North for sure. So today's pod, we're going to talk our favorite best ball players for fantasy this upcoming season. We're going to do a quick draft of the top NFL head coaches for the upcoming season. And then I have a fun game for James, which I think he's going to thrive in. It's really hard, but it'll be a little blast from the past. So we'll see what happens. So, James, we got our top best ball targets. Can can you explain to not only the listeners, but to me, what exactly best ball is? Yeah, best ball is, I mean, just think of any normal fantasy draft, right? Just, it's still snake draft. You, uh, sorry, there's a fly right in my face that's messing me up. Um, <laughs> it's still, still normal fantasy. The difference being there is no management. You draft a deep roster and then the computer plays your best lineup every week. So the, the scores aren't tallied until the end of the week. It looks at your best quarterback, your best two running backs, your best three receivers, your best possible flex on the bench. That's any tight end wide receiver or running back score that would constitute as the best remaining uh, and sums your score and, and lets you know how you did it. It really is kind of like the degenerates version of fantasy football because you get to do the exciting part, which is buy into a bunch of leagues, draft a bunch of teams. Um, and then do absolutely nothing after the fact. Or this is like the perfect type of fantasy football for that one friend. Let's just call him Nathan, hypothetically, who always shows up to the draft and then just never sets their lineup, never does a single trade, does none of that fantasy management. Like we all fucking hate Nathan in normal drafts, right? But we love Nathan for this draft, right? Yeah, if if, if you could hypothetically name a player person, uh, like you said, Nathan, I think that's a good example potential just random name out of the list mm-hmm. yeah you know always does drafts a pretty good team understands everything going into the draft 
probably misses roster lock four times a year. This is for them. Uh, the, the difference being there are leagues that uh, are more tournament based. So it's like you're kind of just like trying to score top quartile of the entire season. So if, you, if you're like a points four monster, but always seem to get just the worst luck with matchups, like this could also be for you because the points against don't necessarily matter here, depending on what type of league you're in. It's just like you need to score a ton of points, have a good a good roster and then when the playoffs show up, then now you're you're playing for the championship, kind of in that traditional head-to-head, or, or even again, still just trying to get the most points for your team. Yeah. So what's like the general strategy here? Are we going like boom or bust kind of guys? Like would Will Fuller kill in this game, like in 2019, whenever he's going crazy? Yes. Prior Will Fuller would have been an elite elite target. You're, you're really wanting it, it can't exclusively be boom or bust because I guess it kind of can't. Like, it needs to be people that have the highest ceiling. It's not necessarily you want zero or 40, but if your entire roster is that kind of potential, you can have some pretty monster lineups week in week out. I, I think the better way to state it is you want high volatility guys. So uh, I think a very easy example I've always thought of is like comparing Mike Evans to uh, shoot. I don't know, like, maybe like Jacoby uh, Myers, who's always getting like you. nine points yeah. per game or something. Yeah, exactly. So, at the end of the season, they might both be a 15 point per game type person, but Mike Evans, you know, 15 points comes from seven separate 40 point performances and seven, two point performances, whereas yeah. Jacoby is guaranteed 15 points. Well, when you're playing these massive tournaments, right, you want, especially since it's locking your lineup for you, you don't have to worry about finding the perfect matchup. You just want those big time performances. And Tyreek's another huge example. Like you're going to get those 40 point games out of him. And then not even like have to sweat the two point games. Yeah. Okay. I'm inspired now. Let's let's get this started. Let's go through our tiers. Essentially, we're going to take one player from each tier that Fancy Pros provides. They have tiers like just kind of broken up. Whenever you're like going through your draft, you're kind of thinking like, ah, oh, this guy's similar to this guy. We're just going to take one person out of the tier, and uh, we'll just go back and forth, and uh, we'll mix it up. I won't have the same ones that you have, and we'll just okay. uh, we'll free ball it. Let's do it. Yeah. So my my favorite in the tier one, and this is a pretty uninspiring take, but if you have that first pick, I feel like CMC almost has to be your guy because what he showed last year is not only a 20 point floor, but like a 40 point, you know, triple crown touchdown type day potential. Uh, that's the kind of guy you want where um, I mean, you just don't you don't have to worry about it. Like he might have a couple stinkers, but. I mean, he's he's just going to nonstop fill your your roster with points, and and that's what you want to see. And, and those big big games are they're huge. They're they're not, you know, his his ceiling isn't twenty points. His floor is twenty points. His ceiling is forty five. Yeah, and I think this is the perfect format for a guy like CMC, right? Because he's guaranteed to miss two games. Like, there's no way he's playing seventeen. So you're going to get fifteen elite weeks out of CMC this upcoming season, but. Those two weeks that you don't have them is really going to fucking suck in a regular league. But with this, you can have a couple people stand in for him. It's going to be beautiful. I think this is the perfect format for a Christian McCaffrey. I love the pick. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go with Bijan Robinson here. I don't know if you saw the interview today. I, I don't even know what media person it was, but it was like peak NFL offseason. They're like, don't think about Bijan Robinson as a running back. Think of Bijan Robinson as an offensive weapon. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, we're trying to rebrand to running yeah, backs out here. Those comments are the kind that actually, I think, I give me a headache because my eyes roll so hard. 
Absolutely. So I just thought it was hilarious. And I think that there's a very good opportunity this year for Bijan Robinson to get split out wide, get a lot of big catches. I mean, it's going to be a three headed monster in that backfield, right? Of Algier, Coral Patterson that everyone seems to forget about. And then Bijan Robinson. And I think the random Bijan Robinson big games where he's kind of able to separate himself from the other two guys will be really big and really helpful. So if you want that high variance guy, I think Bijan's your dude. See, I, I, and I think, you know, I think you're, you're reaching here just because we don't know what Bijan is. If you have a top five pick, that's kind of what we're saying, right? Tier one means you're top five. I take Saquon over Bijan, right? Because we know what his big games look like and we know that offense needs to go through him. I guess the only downside being is if he does hold out and your first pick is on Saquon, you're going to kill yourself. But uh, like that's the kind of guy I'd be going after. Justin Jefferson, I think, is also a, a good candidate. Uh, where it's just like, I mean, just a monster of points. Like if if you have the first overall pick, depending on roster construction, I feel like CMC or Justin are, are pretty easy to go for. I think Bijan's restart getting a little dicey. Yeah. I just think it's fun. If, it's, if we're doing roster, if we're doing one of these like giant leagues, like you're talking about, you got to have like a slightly different team than a lot of the other people. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like that wacko pick you got to make in order to differentiate yourself a bit. But okay. I get your I'll point. give you that. I'll give you that for sure. <laughs> so now tier two, here's one where I like to get starting to think about the strategy behind it. And, and there's dudes like, I mean, tier two might be like guys that I absolutely love even more than tier one, just because it's like the value you're getting when you get to have two of these picks almost back to back. Uh, you know, like Jamar Chase is is kind of just like value Justin Jefferson, right? You get him with the eighth pick potentially instead of the first. But the guy I'd be all over, and we talked about it last time, is man Travis Kelsey. When your tight end can put up wide receiver one numbers, I mean, over the last ten years, he like is wide receiver one, not tight end one. He's like wide receiver one of the last ten fantasy football years. That just puts you in, a, I mean, an absolutely amazing spot. And then that also gives you an opportunity to just take an absolute moonshot on like a Dalton Kincaid you know, at the end of the draft and just see if he, you know, on the off weeks where Kelsey doesn't quite produce, if Kincaid goes off or like just weeks where Kincaid goes off anyway and fills in your flex, like that just gives you a chance to do these super high variance tight ends and not have to rely on like a Tyler Higby being relevant. Yeah, no, I love this pick. I mean, Kelsey is not only incredibly consistent, but his top end production is so dang good. His top good. end is like 35 points in your tight end slot. It's, it's it, unreal. It's laughable. He's going to go top five, almost probably top six, realistically, after looking at these tiers a little closer in every single fantasy draft this year. He's going to just crush it, and he doesn't miss time. The dude doesn't get hit that hard, honestly. He just, he just floats into space, seemingly. And it's like, how do you forget about arguably the best tight end of all time? It just seems like that happens way too often, and I, I love Kelsey. There's yeah, there's nothing wrong to say about him. If this was five years ago, like you have to put Gronk as a top ten pick, right? Like Gronk fits what you want in best ball more than anything else. Where it's like when he's on the field, it's just absolute dominance. Uh, you know he's going to miss some games, but you don't have to worry about when that is because you have a backup. Like I mean, it's it's just a game changer having like a game changing type. Sorry, game changer, game changing, a game changer having elite tight end play, and and I think. Kelsey has just proven time and again, he's heads and tails above the competition. I know we had the Mark Andrews season a couple years ago, but uh, there, there's a reason why Kelsey's kind of the the name in tight end play. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going in a slightly different direction because there are like two guys that I thought of immediately whenever you explained the rules for best ball. And the guy in this tier that I immediately thought of was Jonathan Taylor. Uh, just, just looking at last year, which I feel like a lot of people remember as a really bad year, 
which is fair. The dude missed three games. Uh, he left early and a couple of them as well. Obviously had the bye week. So he wasn't like readily available very often. But like when he was available, the variance was insane. So here were some of his finishes last year. 11th, 8th, 3rd, 1st amongst running backs. Incredible high-end talent from Jonathan Taylor last year. Here are some other of his finishes last year. 40th, 57th. 63rd 100th like he had some insanely good games last year and also some insanely bad games so if i'm trying to reach for that like top end guy that guy who's gonna win me some weeks almost single-handedly i want jonathan taylor on my team i think he makes a lot of sense in this tier yeah that uh, the only guy i might pick above him would be tony pollard just because i think we might see a new era of tony in dallas but yeah jt fits this kind of this format so well I, i i love that pick too yeah, I think there's some bounce back potential. The, the Colts in general, I feel like, have a bit of a chance. Like, Quentin Nelson's been getting clowned on like crazy this offseason because he went from like that elite status to just kind of like normal human status. And I think he has a big chance to silence some of those haters this season. And I think that will be really big for Jonathan Taylor as well. I think you just have to write off last season for the Colts as just the most dysfunctional season of, of a team in a long time and yeah. just kind of move on. It, it was just all around bad. They had a fucking TV personality as their head coach. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And this next year, I I think a guy that really embodies that huge big game potential probably should have said Tyreek Hill. But, uh, I mean, the name that you and I both love here is CeeDee Lamb. I mean, I think all of his games are just that classic 35 or or 5. Like, there's not a ton of just, like, 17-point meh games. It's it's big-time scores, and and that's what you want to see and. It's not a couple big time scores. It's like ten, you know, games uh, of your to your point of like twenty plus points, where it's just like he jumps off the the roster at you. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Like that's the that's the easy pick. That's kind of like the hey, we're gonna avoid the really old guys like Tyree, who could be potentially maybe breaking down a little bit this year. And also, like he has probably the best quarterback out of any of the guys in this tier right here. Like the guys we're looking at are Tyreek, is Tua healthy. I don't know. It, uh, you got Devontae Adams, you got Jimmy G now. Like, is he healthy? I don't know. I have Mark Andrews. Yeah, but like, I don't know. You already got your tight end, so you wouldn't go there. And then AJ Brown, like you got Jalen Hurts. But I think out of all these guys, like CD Lamb with that Dak Prescott connection is going to be really, really huge this year. And no more Dalton Schultz. Like that ate up a ton of those catches last year. And I got CD just doing his thing. So I think I think that's a very, very good pick. Um Oof. Out of all the guys here, I want to go Brees Hall, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go Brees Hall. Uh, this is the big plays that he had last year were insane. Uh, the, the number of times where I was about ready to clown him on Twitter, and then literally the very next play, he just ripped off like an 83-yard rush. That happened way too many times to be a coincidence. I think Brees Hall is going to have a big bounce back year. He obviously had that big injury, but I think if anyone's going to be massive in this offense, I think it's got to be him. I think he's going to be a huge beneficiary to no longer have those like nine man boxes that he had whenever Zach Wilson was there. It's now Aaron Rodgers airing it out. I don't think an individual receiver is going to have a lot of uh, receiving yards this year, but I think a guy in that offense that's catching it out of the backfield and also just having an opened up offense. I think Brees Hall is going to be a big beneficiary. So I'm going Brees here. Yeah, we, we both love Brees, but you brought up a good point. Like, should we be nervous about the ACL? Cause that, that's not tech. I mean, 
your full time to healing is like 10 months, but to your time of being back to a hundred percent is more like a year and a half or two. Like, should we be worried or should we just expect these guys to start being more like Adrian Peterson and bouncing back from ACLs? Like nothing happened. I don't know. Geo Brees Hall's from Omaha. What a guy. Uh, I'm not too sure. When did he go down? Was it like week five or something? Week six? Uh, I thought it was like halfway. That was like week eight. Yeah, yeah. So he played in seven games. So yeah, he went down in the seventh game of the season. But God, what a seven games. 463 yards on the ground, four touchdowns, 200 yards through the air. Like really solid statistics for a guy who, let's be honest, was in a really dysfunctional locker room in New York last year. I think they got a lot of clarity. I think Robert Sala is going to be riding the hot hand. The the health is definitely a concern. Like we're also seeing like Javante Williams right now, where it's like taking him a long time in order to bounce back. But I think you got to just keep reading the tea leaves as you go into the season. And right now I feel pretty good about Brees Hall, but we'll see once we hit training camp. For sure. Uh, So, and and one other point I wanted to bring up, how nervous are you about Devonte Adams this year? Because I feel like every year I'm always like, oh, this is probably the year. And then someone else drafts him. I out, you know, out Galaxy brand myself. And he just casually goes off for 40 points every time I play him. I mean, he beat the allegations in Kansas City, you know, like he got that whole case dropped. But God, he's 30. I, I mean, that's kind of the time where like guys start falling off a little bit. It really depends on Jimmy G like that whole offense is going to just be all over the place with the new quarterback. Josh Jacobs is going to be pissed because he didn't get his new big deal. I'm I'm worried, but like I'm not taking him above some of the other wide receivers that are in this tier. Like I'm definitely taking Tyree kill over Devontae Adams. I'm taking AJ Brown over Devontae Adams, I think. But like he doesn't fall so far off where I'm like, hey, this is a guy I'm just not taking. If he, kind of if, he feels some way. You, if he slips you in the second round, like you just snag it, right? If, if you're yeah. say you're like the 10th out of 12 picks and somehow he gets to you at 14 or whatever that year. Yeah, 14. Like, I feel like you have to just gobble it up. Yeah, dude. He's, that's, that's every format, not just best ball. He's been first team all pro three years in a row. Like, you don't do that on accident. There's so many good receivers in the NFL that like you're going to kind of oscillate between first and second team or maybe just a pro bowler. Like, this guy's been a solidified guy for three straight years. He's a Hall of Famer for sure, right? Oh, absolutely. I feel like he has to be. He's one of those guys where, you know, you talk to me all the time about dudes that go sicko mode, like the random shit that we do in the offseason. I will watch film of him running routes, right? Like, you know, him and Justin Jefferson are just in, like, a class of their own on just crispness of routes. I mean, it's incredible to see what they do to get open. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's it's truly just just so entertaining. So how uh, how – how pissed do you think Devontae Adams is that he had 997 yards, not once, but twice, two seasons of just barely missing a thousand yards in his career? He's got to be I angry. Think he, I don't think he cares because he has a Taco Bell in his living room, so he's he's already winning. Wait, a Taco Bell? Yeah, you haven't seen those commercials where for some reason they just put a Taco Bell in Devontae's living room? I'm going to look this up. He might be my new favorite player. I fucking love Taco Bell. <laughs> You go on with your next. So while, while you're looking at that, <laughs> the, the guy that I will never, ever, ever pick in a season long draft, like a traditional fantasy draft, because I don't know when to play him. But when I don't have to worry about that, we'll grab him every time. Is T. Higgins? He is my favorite boomer bust candidate because people only think of Jamar Chase and that Bengals offense, and T. will pop off for fifty points because the dude is an absolute baller. The issue is sometimes Jamar pops off. So like T doesn't, and it's like, you just don't know when that's going to be. And Jamar is more likely than T to have that big game. So I, I just never trust him in 
the, the traditional season long draft. But if I don't have to pick, you know, my spot, I, I would grab T over a ton of people, especially like over a Joe Mixon or like a Garrett Wilson. Like I, I'm grabbing T Higgins all day. Dude, I spotted Devontae Adams jersey. Sorry, be right back. Uh, yeah, when I think about T Higgins, I, I I boom and bust simultaneously, man. Like, not even just for best ball though either. Like, you, we're talking about, like variance guys for the most part, right? This dude is straight up consistent. Rookie year, nine hundred yards. Twenty twenty one, thousand ninety one yards. This past year, a thousand twenty nine yards. This guy. What a start to a career. Like the dude did not need any like startup time. He was just full go from the get go. So I, I love me some T Higgins too. I, I totally get why you're going with him in this tier. I I'm a little l- more hesitant about his potential future just because I'm not as high about the Cincinnati Bengals in general for this upcoming year. Not high on Joe Burrow, as we all know. And whenever I think of, like a boomer bust type of guy, I'm going Aaron freaking Jones, which we slobbered all over him on our last episode. But this dude is all over the place whenever it comes to fantasy production. Last year, he had finishes at number two, at number four, at number three, at number six for individual weeks amongst running backs. But then he also had weeks where he was 39th, 39th, 43rd, 27th, 55th. Like he is all over the place. He's going to single handedly win you some weeks with like some crazy three touchdown performances. But then he's going to lose you some weeks in a regular league where you have to have him playing, where he's going to have one carry for eight yards because of freaking A.J. Dillon and Matt LaFleur being a crazy person. But he's going to win you some weeks, and that's what all that matters in best ball. So I, I'm I'm all over Aaron Jones for best ball. Regular fantasy, but also for best ball. You and I both love Aaron Jones, yeah, for both. I think that's a great pick. And, and to kind of highlight some of the points we're, we're hitting home here, all right, T. Higgins for a best ball, okay? You don't have to try to predict when he goes 13 or nine catches for 148 yards or seven catches for 114 and touchdown and bounce it out with his one reception for seven yards, right? Like that that's the kind of T Higgins you have to live with. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that in this instance. And you kind of highlight that same with Aaron Jones. Like you get only the good side of T and none of the bad. And when I'm thinking of that too, in this next year, I don't even know how this guy's this low, but like that's Debo, right? Debo popped off um, a couple years ago just where there was really weird shoddy quarterback play. Nothing really made sense in San Francisco. This past year, it wasn't as exciting because he got injured and everything. But when you had the big games, they were still monster games. And, and like people are sleeping on Debo right now, and I'm not really sure why. Dude, I forgot about those shitty T. Higgins weeks last year. That burned some people. Like I'm sure there's people that burned his jersey after some of those. But yeah, Debo's perfect for this format. Like Those games where he just like randomly is in that offensive mojo where he's catching passes out wide and also playing a little bit of running back. Like Those are the perfect opportunities to really capitalize on all of Debo's strengths. I, he's, he's a perfect prototypical player for best ball. Um, my pick here, I, I'm going to go someone that has a bit of a lower floor i guess you could characterize it i'm going jk dobbins uh it doesn't really look like he's gonna be playing as of this moment he's kind of in a contract dispute with the baltimore ravens but it's just kind of like that josh jacobs effect from last year where like if you're a motivated player particularly financially you're just gonna absolutely ball out and i kind of like that opportunity for jk dobbins that offensive line for the baltimore ravens is getting healthy with guys like ronnie stanley and obviously, Lamar Jackson's going to be coming back healthy, and I think he also has a big year. J.K. Dobbins just had some really good games last year, and usually the thing that's been screwing him over is just competition in that backfield. But 
it's really just JK at this point. And I, I think that this is kind of the year where we see like, oh, this was the JK Dobbins we expected when he graduated out of Ohio State. Like, this is the guy. It, it's a it's a variance pick for sure. And like, there's a very big world that I see where he just like holds out, doesn't play, gets injured week four. And then like, I get zero points from him all season long. But I like that. I like the top end potential here. Well, and here, here's where it comes into effect, right? If your first two picks were Bijan and JT, if that actually happened for you, you're probably not grabbing JK because you already have what oh, you true. feel like are locks for running back. But if you went wide receiver heavy to start or, you know, Travis Kelsey in it kind of early, then yeah, you have to take some swings on running backs because you're, you're not getting guaranteed guys. You got to get guys that no one else is thinking that have that huge upside because even like last offseason, everyone was hyped on JK. It's just he did not bounce back from that injury. Well, he's had a full year, which again, like that's kind of I'm highlighting why I'm like nervous about Brees because like he might have that JK treatment. We're like, oh, he's he's fine. He had a full you know year to recover. He's good to go. It's like it takes some time for these guys. Like these tendons are going uh you know under stress that no human being should ever be able to put on, but that's just what they do because they're freaks of nature. And like you know, JK is in a good position where they finally have some receivers there that could actually, you know, maybe alleviate some of the pressure in the box and he might have some just monster games. Am I supposed to be considering positions here? Like, are you, are you, are you making no, a whole I, roster? No, okay. no, no. <laughs> I, I was just making a point to mention, yeah. like you, you just have to like, he could be an amazing pick or a terrible pick. If he's like, if you're like, Oh, I got to, you know, load up on RB. It's like, well, if you already have two guys that you feel confident and you don't exactly need to just go, you know, sicko mode on running backs. Yeah, I just looked up and I'm like, oh, shit, I just took five straight running backs. But yeah, I'm just chosen my favorite people for the tiers. Yeah, you're good. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Uh, This next tier, there's a ton of dudes I love, and it's probably because it's just a huge tier in general. Um, A lot of just like, you know, muddy waters here. But a a guy that I think you can get a ton of value out of this year is definitely going to be Scary Terry McLaurin. His quarterback play can only get better from where it was last year. He's a dude that has put up huge games in the past, but he's also a dude that honestly, I mean, other than what Jahan Dotson, like he should be just feasting on 10 to 15 targets a game. And when you're at this point in the draft, you're just picking guys that have the opportunity to get 15 targets in a game. And, and that's scary, Terry. Yeah, I love that pick. I honestly, just looking at this first glance, that's that's the pick, right? Like people are sleeping on Scary Terry so much. And part of it's the quarterback situation, right? Like you got Sam Howell, maybe, and you got Ron Rivera as the coach. That's always a little bit rough. But uh, Scary Terry's just shown that he is quarterback proof to a degree, too. Like it's not like the Washington quarterback situation was all that much better in the past. And he still just continued to produce. And now he's a couple years wiser. Like he's kind of hitting that sweet spot of when guys are going to their prime at wide receiver. And I want a lot of scary Terry this year. He's been falling in drafts for seemingly no reason. And I, I think he's a great value. And How he's many yards do you think he had last season with Carson Wentz overthrowing him five times a game? <laughs> I want to say like 950. He had 1,200 yards. Jesus. That's so good. That's 1,200 so yards, good. only five touchdowns. So like it looked like a, like a, a game, but it's like all those deep balls that he was getting as a rookie. Like Carson Wentz legit was somehow overthrowing him on them. Like, I mean, like six yards overthrowing him. And it's like, this feels impossible, but like, that's what was happening to him out there. Yeah. And I I think it's just kind of interesting. Like we kind of lost perception of what a good season is right now that we're at 17 games. Like it's like, you got to discount it a game and everything like that. But like 1200 yards in a 17 game season is still insane. And he's been doing it consistently for years. And people are like, ah, is Terry McLaurin that good? Yes. He is that good. I, it frustrates me to no end. The guy that I'm going with here, it's a bit of a gamble, 
I'm going Calvin Ridley in this tier. Obviously, you got to make something different. That's your way to do it. I'm all for that. Yeah, obviously it had the whole suspension and everything kind of seemed like he lost his love of football for a bit. But what's going to make you love football again and make you want to go in straight and narrow like catching passes from Trevor Lawrence? Not to mention this whole division is dog crap. Like always, there are no good cornerbacks in this entire division. Seemingly, I think Calvin Ridley just feasts and like there's there's freaking receiving yards to be had in Jacksonville, right? Like is Christian Kirk really going to repeat from last year? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Evan Ingram's sitting out right now. He also wants a new big contract. Do we really think Zay Jones is going to get like 700 yards? No, like I think Calvin Ridley is just going to go in, assert himself, get 1400 yards and have a great fucking season. So I'm all about Calvin Ridley. If you hit Jacksonville's offense, correct. I think you win leagues. Uh, to, to your point, if, if, it, if it is Kirk and you got Kirk, you're going to be sitting good. I, I love grabbing Evan Ingram late because people are just like, eh, but it's like, dude, I think you might have like a thousand yards last year. Like, I mean, like just an, a sneaky, amazing season. Uh, one more guy in this tier, just because we've talked about him, you know, time and time again, Tyler Lockett, I think fits what you want out of best ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you, if you miss out on scary Terry, I would not mind grabbing Tyler Lockett uh, just to highlight. Tyler Lockett has a solid three catches for 28 yards. Follow that up with two separate weeks of nine catches for 100, nine catches for 70, uh, a five catch for 102 touchdowns. You know uh, what? It's nine catches, 120 yards and touchdown. Like he just puts up monster performances. Yeah. And like, this is the tier to get Lockett, right? Like he could go a tier above easily and no qualms. If he's going any higher, that's just like too high. But there's so many times where, Lockett just seems to be the guy that just fades in drafts and for no good reason. Like, how can you not Tyler like Tyler Lockett going into the season? Honestly, his teammate as well, DK Metcalf. Like the only thing you could potentially have against him is like, does JSN steal a little bit of that time? But I think Lockett's still perfect. And while we're talking about guys in this tier that we still really like, I'm going DeAndre Swift, baby. Give me DeAndre Swift. He's gonna be haunting the Lions all season long. He's gonna be haunting me personally. That means he's going off this year. I could just just lock it in right yeah. now. <laughs> he has a good opportunity to get a ton of points. Yeah, uh, and then my guy that I don't is 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 this guy hurt or something? I just don't know it. I don't know why Mike Evans is like the consensus like 80th player off the board right now. I mean, for the past ten years, all he's done is gotten like 1,100 yards a season, and has been always like a consensus top 30 type pick. And for some reason. Just because, yeah, I mean, he had three years of Tom and everyone's like, oh, now we don't know what to do with Mike. It's like, uh, do you not remember the five years of Jameis Winston that he endured and still got plenty of points? Like this team didn't really get better. So they're going to be down in games. You know, I mean, Baker is a capable quarterback, not like sensational, but he can sling the ball a bit. Like Mike Evans just gets open and Mike Evans catches tough passes and gets a lot of touchdowns. His games, it, it seems like if he gets a touchdown, he gets three or he gets no catches. So like, that's the guy that I want playing for me yeah and you could be easily fooled to think like oh mike evans he's mr 1000 yards right like he has a consistent stat line every single season but he does that with the big variance games he has the 250 yards three touchdowns and then he has one where he drops it one deep pass and he gets all, all all game long and then he has a big old goose egg so i think if there's ever been a wide receiver that's perfect for the best ball format it is freaking mike evans I'm going a similar type of guy, but again, going back to the running back, which I probably just need to stop doing. And I'm going Alvin Kamara. Like, 
not only did he beat the allegations, but he's also going to beat the allegations this season of being a bust. I think that Alvin Kamara is perfect for this format just because we've seen it before, right? We've seen Kamara get in. We've seen the five touchdown type games that he's capable of. And I think those games where Dennis Allen's just going to be doing a bunch of dump off passes to Kamara where he doesn't really trust Carr to be airing it out. I think I think Kamara has a very, very profitable season this upcoming year. Yeah, and honestly, if you want to stack him, I know it doesn't make sense, but like the New Orleans backfield is almost handcuffable because they've got the guy that I always say the wrong name of, but they've got Deuce Vaughn, not Kendra Miller or vice versa. They, what, vice versa. What, yeah, they, <laughs> they have Miller. They have, they have Miller. Sorry, I'm going to mess it up every time. Like you could get Miller with your last pick of the draft if you grab Kamara and just be like, well, one of them is probably going to get. You know, like you're almost like guaranteeing like 25 touches somewhere or the other, and, and they're probably gonna do a lot of hot hand in New Orleans. Uh, so that could be kind of a, a fun way to construct your roster. And dude just got super unlucky last year with touchdowns. So two years ago, he had 900 rushing yards, 400 receiving yards, and had nine touchdowns. This past season, same thing 900 rushing yards, 500 receiving yards, actually more, only four touchdowns. Half the amount yeah. of touchdowns, same amount of yards. Kamara. People are yeah. sleeping on Kamara. You, you just saying that makes me want Kamara as long as he he's not getting arrested for sure. Or Yeah. Dude, do you know how many rushing yards or how many seasons of a thousand rushing yards Alvin Kamara has had? I think zero, right? He's he's always yeah. been like 900. He's like Eckler. Like they both get 850, 900, but then also like five to 600 receiving yards and just go off. It's astonishing to see it on paper, though, right? Like, you just kind of assume, like, oh, they're right at, like, 1,000, maybe 1,100, because that's what you typically see from, like, those classic Reese Jones-Drew type running backs. And it's like, nope, just barely short, but he gets a fuck ton of receiving yards and touchdowns. Yeah. It's just weird. And, and receptions, right, yeah. which is huge in PPR or half PPR formats. Reception season, baby. Okay, who you got next? Yeah, this next year, again, it's a huge tier. It's a lot of who's who of who gives a shit. But uh, someone I'm really excited about because his running mate is going to get double teamed every game of the year. They just got rid of who we feel is a pretty solid running back, as we talked about earlier. It's Jordan Addison. I don't know if you remember Justin Jefferson's rookie season, but I think it was a casual 1,300 yards and like four or five touchdowns because everyone was worried about Adam Thielen. Well, Thielen's gone. Who, who replaces Thielen as Jordan Addison. He plays an entirely different role from Justin Jefferson. He's he's kind of that shifty Marquise Brown type guy, not necessarily just this pure route runner, uh, you know, wins every big catch type guy that Justin Jefferson is. But it doesn't matter because Jefferson and Hawkinson are going to be getting kind of that lion's share of the defense's attention. And Addison's, I, I don't think it's going to be consistent, but I think he's going to have some monster two, three touchdown games where they get to the goal line, you know, with an insane Justin Jefferson catch. And then he gets just that little swing pass, that little, uh, you know, dart route to the to the edge. And Kirk's, you know, or, uh, yeah, Kirk could just get it to him pretty easily. I, I think he could have an awesome season. No, I fully agree. And I think there's like three guys that are like very similar in this tier that all kind of have that boomer bust potential. And like, you don't feel bad about it, right? Because we're kind of getting that tier where it just doesn't really matter if you fuck up. You kind of have your studs towards the front. And then you got these guys that are just kind of the dart throws. You got your guy. You got the guy that I'm picking and then you have Kadarius Tony as well. I, I just want to shout out Kadarius Tony, but I think out of all these guys, I want the potential of George Pickens and a Mike Tomlin offense. I love me some Addison and I feel like Pickens is just Addison 
but one year more senior, like he had another year of seasoning that I'll never be able to forget that one handed catch that he had last year. And that's always just going to stick in my mind. And I think there's some big potential for some big games from George Pickens this upcoming year. He got an extra year of Kenny Pickett, Kenny Thicket, just running things in Pittsburgh. And I, I mean, this, the the Steelers are inevitable. They're the Thanos of the NFL right now, where they're just always going to be in the thick of things. So give me some George Pickens this upcoming year. Right, there's a guy in this tier, and I'm, I'm curious how you're feeling about him, because he played three games or four games last year and had a touchdown, I think, all of them. Is Michael Thomas worth the <laughs> risk of, like, the three games he might play this season, he's actually going to get a touchdown and, you know, have big performances? Dude, I just saw, I just scrolled down and I didn't even see that he was at this tier. God damn, dude. Like, what do you even do about Michael Thomas? Like, if you're getting him in towards the last rounds of your uh, fantasy draft, like, you feel okay about it because, like, it doesn't really hurt, but, like, yeah, but you can't drop him here. You're stuck with, with probably injured Michael Thomas. Yeah. Like, he played literally three games last year. Like, he's starting to feel like Josh Gordon almost, right? Where, like, he had the big seasons, he fell off early just not going to do a whole lot and anything that you anytime you try and grab him it's just like fool's gold uh i don't know i just don't does this car air it out to thomas or is it just like short passes right, I, to olave well, thomas is slanty boy though he doesn't go deep so i feel like he fits what car does True. like it could work really well it's just he has a foot that's made of bone meal i, I, mean, I don't know <laughs> what's going on there but it, he could be that's one of those ones where you say, like, if you're in the big tournament, you're doing, like, one entry in a tournament. It's like, I have to do something just completely different. And it's like, screw it. If Slanty Boy pops off, like, then I look awesome. And if not, then who cares? Yeah. Like, may- maybe that's the way to go. I feel like I just have zero opinion about Michael Thomas. And I refuse to be right or wrong about him. So I was going to make it somebody else's problem at all times. <laughs> Perfect. All right, now we're, we're now we're really starting to get into all right, who is our moonshot picks, and, and like you're gonna start, kind of start to see a little bit of a, a theme here. But I'm just sticking with these rookie receivers because we've seen it time oh, thought- and again. If you get a correct receiver as far as like rookies go, like you you get a guy with a ton of value. And I'm sticking with Zay Jones, the guy that I wanted the Patriots to get. Although I understand why we grabbed Christian Gonzalez because you can't pass up on a top five prospect that falls to you. Uh, but I I, th- I could see Zay Flowers. You know, as soon as OBJ goes down with an injury week two or three, um, Rashad Bateman is never going to be the big game guy. He's always going to be the moves the chains guy. Uh, Zay could have just some monster performances. I think I've said monster like a hundred times. And also, hey. I said Jones, and I think I meant I thought this was Flowers, so I, I meant Zay Flowers if I was saying the wrong guy. No, yeah, yeah, you're definitely saying Flowers, but you just have okay. Zay on the spreadsheet. I was like, wow, like you're a Zay Jones <laughs> believer. Like you're eight. Let's go like that is sicko as hell. I'm a fan. Yeah, I mean, Zay Flowers is the obvious guy in this tier. Just looking at it, like some of the names are just gross. Like it's Deontay Foreman. It's Kenny Gainwell. Like it's guys that are like consistent 40 yards every single game, but they're not winning you any weeks whatsoever. Um, I love Zay Flowers. I think that he's going to be a big part of their offense, just catching passes underneath from Lamar Jackson and just kind of being that speed guy. I'm going to a similar archetype and this tier i'm gonna go jameson williams again another gamble but you know i think you just kind of have to take it doesn't matter if you're at ford field or in your hotel like you just got to go after jameson williams i just the potential is crazy like he had multiple passes last year where he went off for a 40 yard 50 yard receiving uh reception and it just got called back for a random penalty a holding call or whatever i think that jameson williams has flashed a lot of potential and if you're going for a guy that's just going to go for like a thousand yards after the first six weeks, 
like I think it's going to be James Williams. So the first few weeks, you really got to slump through it. But I think the last end of the season, he could be huge for the playoffs. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you, man. Jameson Williams. So okay. Here last is year. truly the like, what is happening? Um, I mean, this is like a tier of OBJ defenses. <laughs> uh, I mean, just random people. So I threw up the like, maybe CEH, the guy that no one can predict me is going to do well. But when he does play, it's like four touchdowns and no yards. Uh, I mean, he could have one or two big games for you. And if he's, you know, the last kind of back on your roster, just by virtue of being a Chiefs running back, he has the chance of having a monster game. Yeah, you're totally right on this one. God, this tier sucks. Like, it's literally like free agent Zeke Elliott here. Oh, 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 I like this one, even though it's like my 80th receiver. Give me Rashid Shahid. Greatest name in all of football right now, honestly. And had a great rookie season. I was super under the radar last year. I feel like if anyone of like all these gadget type players is going to pop off, it's going to be Rashid Shahid. Just off of name value alone, his play style with Carr, I, he could end up thriving in this Saints offense, and I have way too much Saints offense from this draft, but I, I think he's exciting. I, I think a lot of people aren't talking about him, and like that's why he's ranked like 180th here, but I think he's solid, and I'd rather have him than CEH. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then some guys I threw in here in honorable mentions. Uh, I think Javante Williams, we talked about him a little bit. If he stays healthy, he, he's a guy that was like a first-round pick last year that it just didn't work out because of his knee, but like he has now... Um, yeah, Sean Payton, who, if you don't recall, made Alvin Kamara the greatest fantasy asset to ever live. Yeah. Uh, so that's reason enough to be hype. Amon Ross St. Brown just puts up big games. It's what he does. And then Michael Pittman Jr., he's going to put up yeah. some sinkers, and he's going to put up some 40-point games, and, and that's what you want. So like, those are some guys that I'm kind of eyeing as like a could-be-great value. Yeah, I, I especially like your Pittman call here. Like Him with Anthony Richardson, it could be some insane games. Like Richardson's only throwing for 2,000 yards this year, right? Like we kind of aligned with that. Like he's not going to have an insane top end Andrew Luck type rookie year. But like those handful of games where he's crazy and just balling it out to Pittman is going to be awesome. And I I picked, I think it was Calvin Ridley was in that same tier. And so I just had to barely take Calvin over Pittman. But like Pittman was going to be so exciting this year. And talk about like a bounce back year after last year, whenever it was just like, putrid matt ryan and now it's going to be exciting cadillac anthony type richardson it's gonna be great i, I also, i'm really excited for if you give me one second here Do it. Uh, because Pittman still had big games it was just he had to deal with matt ryan right so it wasn't great he still had 99 receptions 900 yards four touchdowns with you know week one being nine receptions 100 yards and a touchdown he had a week against against to play jacksonville twice okay 13 receptions, 134 yards, uh, seven receptions, not great touchdown. Yeah. I mean, like he, he had some, some pretty big games. It was just dealing with the corpse of Matt Ryan as his quarterback. And God knows what else they put out there. Like it just was not a great product. He is an absolute, uh, you know, for sure. Number one receiver. You, you said Anthony Richardson might only throw for 200 yards. Well, 1200 of them could easily go to Michael Pittman jr. And the other 700 go to Alec Pierce. So yeah, I think, I think there's, there's reasons to be excited. They're going to be losing in a lot of games and they're going to just be trying to work on things and just airing the ball out. Yeah. Underrated, really bad wide receiver room. I think we always just like assume like the Colts got someone exciting going on there, but like it's not. It's Pittman. Not really. It's, it's, it's Pittman. It's Pittman. And they don't even have like the Dwayne Allen tight end anymore. Who's just going to randomly go for 500 yards on the season. So tough luck, tough luck. Uh, do you just want to go to the game? 
Yeah, we can do the game. We can yeah. we can save coaches for next time. There's there's no content really being released as this the off season. Yeah, and like probably realistically, we'll start doing positional rankings like later this month, maybe early August or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, there's no rush. We got all the time in the world, baby. Okay, so the game is which I shamelessly stole is doing the top twenty re- uh, receiving yards in the AFC East since two thousand five. So just repeat that because I'm really bad at explaining games for a reason. You are trying to name the top 20 guys in terms of receiving yards in the AFC East since 2005. So this is only including the receiving yards that they got while in the AFC East. So if you had a guy who was in the AFC East until 2004 and then retired, tough luck. If you had a guy who was on a team and then went to another team that was outside of the AFC East, tough shit. They don't count. The only only their yards within the AFC East count. Okay, so, does that make sense? And, and I'm trying. So I'm trying to get the top five of that what 18 year period. Uh, top 20 of that 18 year okay. period. How many, how many do I have to get? I don't know. Just how many as you can get. Okay. Well, the obvious one is Wes Walker. He is a Dolphin and a Patriot. He's got to be top five guy, right? Hang on. Let me uh let me put it in our sheet so you can see. So yeah, Wes Walker is number two. Okay. I was, I was like that one's just like for sure. Yes. Uh, Gronk has to be on there somewhere. Number one. Okay. So just to give you some reference, Gronk number one at 7,800 yards. Wes Welker number two at 7,500 yards. Yeah, now it's like, shit, what other Patriot was there long enough to to claim this? Edelman's going to be in the top 20. I don't think he's as high up as these guys because he just his first half of his career was not a receiving player. Are you sitting down? Edelman's number three. Okay. okay. (laughs) Patriots, let's cook. Let's cook. Okay. All right. Is there anyone else of the dynasty that I need to just throw in here? Since 05. Um, I, like, I don't think Dion Branch, like he was earlier, like a lot of his yards were before 05. So, I, you know, I mean, that, that one makes me nervous. So I'm not going to go there. Yeah, Branch, uh, Branch, I'll tell you, Branch was 22, so he just missed. All right, uh, so I'm not, like, crazy off. Yeah, 2,500 yards, so that's kind of the range. You're going for above 2,500 yards. Okay, were there any relevant Jets players? That's that's where it's going to be tough to see if any of these guys belong. I can't think of anyone that scared me. <laughs> uh, let's see, 2,500 yards. So is Devontae Parker in there then? Because he's been in the FCs for a while. Dude, you're cooking. It helps that he's on two teams for sure, but yeah, he's number four. What the hell? That's Dude, so AFC East is bad, man. Okay. Wow. Um, all Patriots, top four. Yeah. So far, all Patriots. That's, I mean, for obvious reasons. So then Stefan Diggs is going to be on there because his last three years as a Bill have been good enough to put him in the top. Yeah, number eight. Okay. He's, he's only been there for a minute. Like, he has played does that mean, does that mean Aaron there. Hernandez is in the top 20? He's not, though. Okay. I was like, geez, where are we going with this? Let me double check that, but I don't think so. I will say this is very back of the na- back of the napkin type math. So, like, yeah. people in the comments don't go after me because I did this in five minutes. Okay. Yeah, Kisicki. so Aaron Hernandez had 1,900 yards. Barely missed. Mike Kosicki break it? Dude, that's a poll. Number 20. Let's, Barely let's go. Let's go. Barely made it. Um, I mean, Jacoby Myers then would be because he's just with the Patriots long enough to to make it. Number eighteen. Um, 
it's like I just the Dolphins players I know a bit, but there weren't a ton of like just unreal dudes. Man. Receiving yards, does James White make the list? James White makes the list, number Let's 14. Go. Let's go. He was there long enough, you know? Yeah, he played exactly. a good amount of years. No no huge years, but consistent. I mean, yeah, you got, it's you know, 400 yards for every year of his career, so that'll, that'll get you there. 32-78. Okay, so that this is the type of... I feel like I should just list my favorite Patriots players and just see what happens when it's all said and done. <laughs> you know, not that, that means Randy, Randy Moss was around long enough then to make the top 20. Dude, absolutely. He was long enough. Number 10. Okay. That was what, three years as a Patriot or two and a half years as a Patriot? One, not even with Tom Brady? Pretty much. Dude, I think you're underrating how bad AFC East receivers have been for the last 15 years. Yeah, it's this is impressively, impressively bad. I feel like I'm missing like some tight ends for the Patriots even that could p possibly crack the list. Not a ton of tight ends here, but you wouldn't be um, wrong with some tight ends still. Okay. Actually, I I'm looking through the list right now. I think there's only one tight end left and it's okay. not a Patriot. Does uh Devin McCourty versus the jets count as a, a receiver? I feel like he's had enough return yards against Sam Darnold to potentially crack it, but did not do that research. Okay. So he's not on the list, but probably. Let's. Oh, man. I, I don't know Bill's players. I guess I'll go Chris Hogan because he was a Bill and a Patriot. So it means he, like, he's got to somehow make the list. He's not on the list. No. Nope. He's not. Okay. Did, did Amendola make the list just for being around long enough? He did make the list. Okay. Number 16. Okay. Yeah. If he's 16, there's no way Hogan made it. <laughs> I'm looking up Chris Hogan just to make sure I didn't fuck anything up, but no. Uh, I, I I didn't do a good enough job. This is kind of like the one weakness of the list was I didn't do a good enough job of like guys who are on multiple teams and he was on the Bills and the Patriots. So let me let me do this math real quick. Okay. But you keep naming players. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm I'm you can take your time on the math because I am starting to run a little low on ideas. Uh. So I'm just trying to think of like who who Sanchez would have been throwing to. Like one of those guys had to have been enough to get 2,500 yards. True. Uh, just did the math. I, I'm a genius. Amando, or, uh, Chris Hogan missed the list by seven yards. He was number 21. <laughs> he could have just caught one more ball. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you want the breakdown of team? Sure. Uh. Actually, that's harder than I thought. I don't have it that broken out, but um, a lot of Jets still on this list. Um, a big no notable bill from like the 2010 Ryan Fitzpatrick era, and uh, not not a ton of recent guys. You got pretty much all the like 2010, mm -hmm. 2015 on kind of type of guys. Yeah, There's one no one notable Dolphin for sure. One one notable Dolphin. One notable recent Dolphin. Recent Dolphin. Mm-hmm. Played with, like, Matt Moore. Been on a couple teams since, so, like, you probably don't even think of him as a Dolphin too much anymore. Yeah, it's not helping me, then, if you're calling him a Dolphin. <laughs> kind of a gadget guy. Real, uh, real under underneath kind of type of guy. More of a slot receiver, I guess you would call him. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Go ahead and lay it on me. Uh, played at LSU. And played and with OB. Uh, oh, um, because now he, gosh dang it, what is his name? Because I, I know exactly who it is. He played with OBJ. Yep. He was at, he was at Miami, then he was uh, a Brown. He was, was he a Raven for a bit too? I feel like he's been around the block. He was with the Saints this past year. Saints. Okay. Yeah. What's his name? It's it's just slipped in my mind. Oh, you're good. Number nine, Jarvis Landry. Yeah, we go. Yeah, Landry is for sure. Did some damage. Um, I do. I don't know. Jet. Like, I just don't like the Jets. Like, I, I love it when we just dick them down. I I don't know Jets players. Like, I know Corey Davis has been there a few years, but not enough to get. I think at twenty five hundred yards, right? I I know. Who'd you say? Like. Corey Davis has been there for a few oh. years, but not enough to get like enough yards. Number and seven. Again, like, number seven is the wide receivers coach at Ohio State. If you can think up the name. He's the guy who basically made Marvin Harrison Jr. Who he is today. See, I don't know that. I don't know college football well enough. Okay, that's fair. So who, who's that then? Brian Hartline. Yeah, I, I would have not known that, unfortunately. How is he never a Patriot? He totally feels like a Patriots guy, just like the short white guy, you know? Yeah, dude, sure. I'll, I'll trust you. I, I, I do not know. Dude, number six is a real sicko name. Oh. And it's like, it's number six. Like, that's pretty damn high. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Parker is at four is does not bode well for uh, this division. Absolutely. And like, Obviously, the more recent guys with the passing boom, it helps. Is, like, is Dawson Knox like on here? Because he's, he's not. Been, okay, so I didn't know if like through three seasons he got just enough yards. Yeah, only one tight end left on this list. I'll give you the honorable mention. So uh, twenty twenty two was or twenty one was uh, Hogan. Twenty two was Kenny Stills. Okay. Number twenty three was Dion Branch, as we talked about. And then we had it, Chris Chambers. Ooh, yeah. Did uh, did Jeff Cumberland get enough yards as a Jet to to make the list? He did not. Okay. Yeah, dude, I, I think I'm I'm out of names here for the sake of the listeners. I'm not gonna let them sit here and hear the the hamster wheel go in full speed. You got some good ones here. Uh, I'll ha- I'll try and give you some hints on one more. Uh, number fifteen is a guy that we've kind of loved to hate on this offseason he had a name change recently oh the chosen one because he was a jet for long <laughs> enough is that crazy number yeah. 15 since 2005 so we right. had like three games with fitzpatrick that were enough yards to get him over the top pretty damn much so we'll go from the bottom up number was, 19 was there any, any patriots that i didn't get any patriots no you got them all okay that's that's Good. the important part Absolutely. You got the players that actually matter. Uh, the first one here is another running back. This is the only other running back on the list. And it was uh, Fred Jackson. I, I mean, I, I know Fred Jackson, great player. I, I wouldn't have been able to. I would not have thought of that. Yeah, he was just around. Just do yep. the Danny or the, the Frank Gore for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 17. I forgot this guy even existed, but I have distinct memories of him being just an elite blocker on Madden. And that's Dustin Keller of the New York Jets sure yeah uh this guy didn't play too long post 2005 he had some of his damage prior to that and that's a uh, lavernius coles 
you remember him. Yeah, I, I, it's a familiar name, but not someone that I would have just gotten off the top there. Yeah, he was just like a little before my time before I really started. It's literally just like, can you remember commensurate pros from the AFC? And it's like, honestly, outside the Patriots, these guys didn't stick around long enough because they're just getting dad dicked by the Patriots for 20 years. Dude, yeah, I got the inspiration for this list from the AFC West. And I was like, wow, the AFC West, like, it's got a lot of great receivers in it. Like, at the very bottom list, you had guys like Hunter Henry and like, I'm trying to remember who else is on there. Like Mike Williams and stuff like guys who are like really quality and have been around for a while. And then this list is just like the sickos of the sickos. I figured it'd have a little bit more quality to it, but there's nothing. Um, Number 12 is a guy I've never heard of. Not even one time. And he played from 2008 to 2012. His name is Devone Bess. You heard of that guy in your life? Was he a jet? I, I don't know who this human is uh he was a dolphin oh good good for him proud of you yeah he, apparently he was on that hawaii team that was really good that like almost went undefeated or something all right right on yeah 2008-2012 like that's that's when i watched football and i have no recollection of that man i would have seen them play twice a year for four years and just just like eh. yeah no memory uh number 11 is a fun one one of my personal favorites because I just think he's hilarious. Uh, he once dropped a ball in the end zone in overtime and blamed God for making him drop it. Okay. I don't uh, remember that. Stevie Johnson. I don't know. That's you don't remember Stevie that. Johnson, dude? No. Dave Bill. Bill for life, for sure. I, I, I love me some Stevie Johnson. He was the guy who played with Ryan Fitzpatrick for many years in Buffalo. Okay. Uh, number six is like just one of those guys that just like hung around enough. And you know Benjamin as a bill. <laughs> Good guess, but no. Uh, he's he's a jet, and just like one of those guys that just kept getting 800 yards and like totally wasn't draftable in fantasy, but like Wait, was always Braxton on the way. Braxton Berrios on this list because he's been around just long enough. That's a really good guess. Has he been on multiple teams? Patriots and Jets. I just feel like he's only had like 200 yards a year for four years, unfortunately, or five years. Yeah, that may have been a mess on my... No, no, yeah, not even close. He's only had 1,000 yards in his career. Um, okay. Great guess. Hey, one day, one day. If he had a full 15-year career, he would have been here. Absolute great guess. Number six is Jericho Cotri. Okay, that's a name I know. I did... I guess I kind of just forgot about him. Yeah. This is the last, like, elite guy I feel like that you just kind of miss, but also, like, I very have very little recollection of this player as well. And uh, he was a bill... I'm remembering correctly. And it's Lee Evans at number five. I, I'm not remembering him at all. Yeah, just an average day. He's just around. There is a lot of like 2000 receivers that are just kind of like there. <laughs> so if you search Lee Evans, you get the British film actor before the football player. If that's any indication of how bad the AFC East oh. has been over the past 15 years. Okay. Yeah. Lee Evans. Out of Wisconsin. Yeah. 2004, 2010. So in and out of the league for sure but yeah that is our uh, top 20 receiving yards since 2005 in the AFC East how you like that I'll, list I'll give you that for NFC North oh there's like some obvious candidates and then just a whole bunch of like oh god who knows yeah it, it could get there's gonna be some top in talent and then yeah it's gonna get to like Brandon Pettigrew pretty quick but yeah it's, it's probably gonna be like 10 Packers one through 10 and then whoever's <laughs> or I guess Packers and Calvin Johnson and then after that it's like oh god yeah no, absolutely zero 
uh, Bears. Maybe Brandon Marshall. That's maybe about maybe it. Maybe <laughs> Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Maybe Matt Forte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably more running backs and tight ends, honestly. Jimmy Graham sneaks yeah. onto the list somehow. But yeah, that's the list. I hope you had fun. I did. That was a good that was a good game, pal. I appreciate that one. Thank you. Shamelessly stolen, but also very fun. Great. Uh, so probably record here in another couple of weeks, but hopefully hopefully some news comes uh, comes by then. If not, yeah, like you said, we'll just start getting the rankings. Let's go. Have a good one, everybody.